Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. It's up, it's up to you. We sing songs like we sang last week, let the river flow, let the river flow. Really, a big part of letting that river flow is up to you. Because it's out of your belly that the rivers of living water flow. Amen? That's what God has for you. It says he's made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. A new covenant. The old covenant was the covenant of the letter. Do this, do this, do this, do this. It was never actually intended to bring life. If it would have, God would have brought life that way. It was intended to teach them about something, to teach them what the problem was, so that when Jesus came by the power of the Spirit, they could understand and enter into it. He's made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills. What a tragedy to find out that maybe we think we're ministering the gospel and we're really ministering death. Boy, I don't want to do that, do you? I want to be somebody who always ministers the life of God. I want to let that life of God flow through me. I want people to be sensitive to that life when they're near me that there's love and acceptance. And I mean, not acceptance of just every kind of gross immorality, but let them feel the presence of God. Let them feel the life of the spirit of God. Amen. But you know, the spirit itself is also ministered through words. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse 12. It says, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Oh man, right there, that's good, right? We've been given not the spirit of the world, not a worldly spirit. We've been given a spirit from God, the spirit from God. Why? So that we can understand the things freely given to us by God. God has given so much. Doesn't it say if he'll give you Jesus, He'll give you all things. There's nothing that he'll withhold from you. Nothing. Isn't that good? I like it. And then it says this. We've been given the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Verse 13. And we impart this in words. We impart this in words. Not words taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Like I said, we are established in the word and empowered by the spirit to be a loving, a healing, and a helping church. Loving church, a healing church, and a helping church. Think about it. It's the ministry of Jesus. Love people, heal people. What is God? You know, one of the three things the Bible says that God is. God is life was one of the things. God is light. What's the other one? God is love. God is love. We want to be a loving church. Amen. We are a loving church. A healing church. Who's the great physician who went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the enemy. For God was with them. Jesus was probably, you know, we know now. He's the savior of the world and what the cross meant and all that. But the people in his day living through that, they didn't necessarily understand what was going on. But they did know one thing. He's a healer. 
And we're a healing church. Because why? Because God's with us. If God's with us, we can be a loving church. If God's with us, we can be a healing church. And what's one of the names in the Bible, all my scholars here, for the Holy Spirit? The helper. He's the helper. If God is with us, we'll be a helping church. You know, some of the best things that we can do just to to advance the kingdom of God is just be useful. (laughs) Just be helpful. Does somebody just help people in the name of the Lord? Be useful. Be helping. Amen? So we are empowered by the Spirit to be a loving, a healing, and a helping church. And like I said, I love that name, Emmanuel. God is with us. What I want to talk today to you today about is the basis, the foundation of what God is doing among us. Because like I said, I'm excited about what God's doing here. Um, and when I say here, I don't necessarily mean this building. I mean in your lives. I love to hear the testimonies. Sometimes I have to kind of get that pump primed. But boy, once we start sharing, we find out God's working all over the place in this congregation. It's awesome. Um, we're, definitely, we're definitely experiencing God's grace among us. Uh, we're seeing healings. Um, I had a, I had a problem one time. I received several healings just in the last couple of months. I had a problem with my knee because I was digging my wife a garden and it was hurting and I wouldn't rest it and I couldn't rest it and I was working and it hurt for weeks and it wasn't going away. I came here on a Wednesday night uh, and I was, we were sharing and studying and uh, I was going to ask y'all to pray for me. And when I was about to, I realized that, hey, the pain went away completely. It'd been there for several weeks. It was not going. It was so bad. I said, I'm going to just get people to pray for me. And I didn't need to. It was awesome. Amen. I had a little thing uh, 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 for several years. I had this thing, a cyst on my finger that was pressing into the nail bed. And it was, it was not super painful. So you kind of forget about it. But if you didn't keep it, it was, it was digging into the nail and it was making the nail grow funny and it was splitting real bad, you know, had that for two years. Two years. I mean, of course I prayed for it. When I thought to, I'd pray and speak to it and all that stuff you're supposed to do. And one day I looked, it was gone. I mean, it went from there to gone. I don't know when it went. I just not looked and it was gone. It's like, whoa, it was gone. Praise the Lord. I mean, God, if he'll do that, come on, he'll do something bigger, right? It's all the same to him. Impossible is impossible. Impossible is possible. And nothing's impossible for him even if it's impossible for a man. Amen? We're seeing house miracles. We have several people who've, who've moved here and uh, were supernaturally blessed by even being able to find a house to buy, which is very hard in this market. Amen? Job miracles. There's Trey working on the railroad. There you go. Job miracles. Xavier got a job. We've been praying. And we prayed one guy who, who we love. We prayed him a job, and we got him relocated to um, Nashville. I'm like... <laughs> I think we were doing that wrong. We, so from now on, we're more specific. We don't want people to be prayed out of, out of town. We're seeing God working, you know, in relationships and stuff. I'm just excited about what he's doing. But there is a foundation for what God is doing among us. There's a basis for the miracles. They don't just happen, you know. Uh, God is sovereign, but, you know, we, we tend to want to think of miracles as just a sovereign thing that happens randomly. But it's a, lot, it's a lot more, when you're in the kingdom and you're walking with God and, and you're doing his will, they're a lot more common than you would think. A lot more common. 
Go with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. This is what I was preaching on last week. It says, Hebrews 2, verse 1, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And last week I was talking about giving careful attention to what we have heard um, so that it doesn't escape our grasp. It's kind of like a, 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 a ship being dri- uh, carried along by a current and oh, past a safe place to anchor, okay? It's just kind of, if you're not paying attention, you'll just kind of go with the current and it'll be too late. That's the implication of the verse. That's what it's talking about. You want to hang on. You want to grab on and give it your attention. Because if you just let go, it's possible. It is possible to slip away. And if you'll remember a couple weeks ago, I've actually preached probably for four or five weeks on Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Talking about uh, uh, God long ago spoke to us in the fathers and then the prophets in these last days has spoken to us in his son. And see, that's what we need to hang on to. That's what we need to give our attention to, the message that God spoke to us in his son. That's what we need to hang on to so that we don't drift right along with the culture and find ourselves beyond help. Amen? We need to pay much closer attention. The same word there appears in the sixth chapter of Hebrews, verse 17. Listen to this. It says, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, see, he doesn't change. His purpose doesn't change. What he was for when Jesus walked the earth is what he's for now, amen? What he was against when Jesus walked the earth is what he's against now. If he would heal when Jesus walked the earth, he will heal now. He doesn't change. His purpose doesn't change. And he wanted to convince the people of the unchangeableness of his purpose. So he wanted to, as it says here, he desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose. I'm reading from the ESV. And I always like to read from the ESV just because I don't like to go translation hopping. I like to stick with one and I compare it to others. I mean, I read all of them, but when I start preaching out of one, I like to kind of stay with it, at least for that message. You know what I mean? I don't want to pull one from here and one from here and one from here because we're not trying to find out what I want to say. We're trying to find out what the word says. Amen. But I do like to look at other translations to help me understand what it's saying. You know, we've got some great tools today. We've got Bible dictionaries and everything else that you can go in there and look at the words behind it. But one of my favorite ways to do it is just look at different translations. You know, these are other scholars who've worked and labored with the text, and this is how they brought it out, right? So the Holman Standard Bible says it like this, because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath. See, now God can't lie. So if he said it, it's true. So why did he want to make an oath? (laughs) He's just trying to convince the the hearers that this is not going to change. I mean, it wouldn't change if he just said it once, but he put an oath to it, trying to be more, what's the word there? More convincingly, more abundant. You'll see it even clearer if I go to a literal translation. Look at Young's literal translation. God more abundantly willing to show the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel. You gotta like those old words, the immutability of his counsel. I like it. 
Now compare that to Hebrews 2.1. Because of this, it behooveth us more abundantly to take heed to the things heard, lest we may glide aside. See, God is more abundantly wanting to ensure us that he is committed to this. And all he's doing is asking us to more abundantly pay attention to what he's saying. God is going above and beyond to show more abundantly. And the writer of Hebrews is rightly asking us to pay more abundant attention to what he's saying because nothing less will satisfy him and nothing less will satisfy us. You know, he's more committed than we are. But nothing, because he's given his more abundant, (laughs) convincing promise and oath, nothing less then our more abundant attention will see God's abundant grace. Come on, let's hang on to this thing that we've heard, amen? Hang on to that, that, that word of salvation spoken through Jesus. See, there is a real and constant danger of slipping. If it wasn't a real and constant danger, he wouldn't have warned about it so many times. It's, it's rarely possible to let go of things that we have once walked in and experienced and not to experience them anymore. It's really possible to let those things slip. It's interesting to me here that the warning is not against open defiance of God. We're seeing that in our culture, aren't we? You know, we're seeing open defiance. We're seeing horrific, ugly sensuousness and sin. But this warning is not against that, is it? This warning is a warning against not giving God first place. It's a warning against not giving God the best activity in your life, your best energy, your best mind frame. You know, I know how it is. You got to do what you got to do while you're awake and thinking, and then you try to fit in a few Bible verses or prayers when you're cloudy and you can't, you know, I know how it is. But, you know, it's worth giving God our best. It's this lack of paying careful attention that leads to the mediocre watered-down Christianity that a lot of people seem to be experiencing. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, right? Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, but seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added to you or given to you as well. They'll they'll come come after you. Be like the promises in Deuteronomy 28. They'll pursue and overtake you as you seek him, as you seek the kingdom, right? But I'm afraid that a lot of times we've um, used that verse as just a cover to seek after things of the world and still pretend like we're following God. We want to seek the kingdom. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. He said, you don't have to worry. Seek first the kingdom and it'll be given to you as well. So hang on. Don't let the truth slip. Amen. Back to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter two. Look at verse two with me. He says, for since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable and every transgression transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit 
distributed according to his will. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? That's what I want to talk to you about in the next couple minutes. So great a salvation. Again, last week, he says, he says this, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared first by the Lord. So we're talking about what we have heard, what Jesus said, the message that Jesus brought, the salvation of God. Salvation, see, is God's great rescue plan. And how does it spread? How is it ministered? With words. It's a message of salvation that when it's proclaimed and you believe it, the Holy Spirit moves in your heart and causes new birth, moves in your life and brings you into the kingdom of God, rescues you from the kingdom of darkness, brings you into the kingdom of his son. It's amazing, the power of words. But it's the message, it's the message of salvation. Uh, in, the, in his letter to the Galatians, Paul said this in Galatians 3 and verse 5. Galatians 3, 5. Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you? See, I said I wanted to talk about the basis of the miracles that are working among us right here. It's not because we're good law keepers. It's not because we keep all the rules. It's just because we hear the message of God and we receive it with faith. And God moves in our midst. Isn't that awesome? God is doing things and, and it's just hanging on to that word. See, the Galatians were brought this message by Paul. You, they heard it with faith. They believed the message. The Holy Spirit comes. They're baptized. He starts doing miracles among them. But then sometime later, believers who were Jewish believers came and they started introducing law, legalism, saying if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to keep the, the Jewish law. Well, how good did it work for you keeping the law all these years? <laughs> it didn't produce life. So why are we going to impose the law on the church now who've already experienced the life of the spirit apart from the law? Why are we going to go back and put them under the law? That's what the topic of the book of Galatians is about because some of them were falling back into it. And Paul said, no. He said, the way you became a Christian is the way you continue to be a Christian. Somebody declared the message to you and you received it with, your, with faith. So hold on to that. Don't let that slip. Don't add something to it that's gonna take your attention away. Hang on to Jesus. Hang on to the truth, amen? So it says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Go back to Hebrews um, 2, 3. Yeah, there we go, thank you. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? I was looking at this. I was looking at all the verses for escape. You're lucky I didn't preach on it. They're really, really long. <laughs> but just look at this list. If you have a, if there's a, is there a slide with a list? Yeah. Oh, it's kind of small. You're gonna have to zoom in, take a picture of that if you want to study it out for yourself later. Um, but it talks about, the Bible talks about escaping the punishment of hell in Matthew 23, 23. It talks about escaping the things that are going to happen on the earth in the end times, right before his coming in Luke 21, 36. It talks about escaping the judgment of God in Romans 2, 3. It talks about escaping temptation in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It talks about escaping the sudden destruction that's gonna come on the earth for those who, who, who are not in Jesus when he returns. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 3. It talks about escaping from the snare of the devil, 
2 Timothy 2.26, and it talks about escaping the corruption that is in the world in 2 Peter 1.4 and 2.20. Now, you might accuse me of having an escapist mentality, but escaping is a good thing. (laughs) Escaping all of this is a very good thing. God has provided a way for escape but I don't want to have just an escapist mentality. What I actually want to have is a salvation mentality. Amen? Salvation. He's provided a way of escape. Salvation is a big word. It's a big inclusive word. The word salvation actually takes every single thing that God can accomplish through your life. Everything that God can do through a human life. From the time that he finds you in sin till, he, till the time when he presents you to the Father, righteous and pure and holy and blameless and above reproach. That all encompasses salvation. It's a big word, isn't it? You know, the way we kind of do theology, we chop words apart and we make them small and we try to look at little narrow slivers of what it means. But salvation is a big idea. It's God's big word. And it talks about from saving you when you were dead in your sins to presenting you to the Father and everything in between. Salvation is a huge, it's a huge, it's a suitcase word. It's what I call a suitcase word. There's certain words in the Bible that are suitcase words. You know how suitcases work, right? When you're going traveling, you take all your stuff and you shove them in a suitcase and you smash it down and you zip that or lock that suitcase up and you carry everything with you. It lets you carry all of this stuff conveniently with one handle. So when we say salvation, we say salvation, but we mean everything in the suitcase, all right? But when you get to where you're going, you set it down, you unzip it, and you hang everything up, and you spread it out, and that way you can see what's in the suitcase. And from time to time, it's good to go ahead and unzip that suitcase of salvation and look at what's in that thing. Salvation is being rescued from sin. And you know, sin, it ultimately is the problem. I know people don't want to hear about sin anymore. Don't preach about that sin. Just preach about the goodness of God, you know. But the truth is, Jesus came to rescue us from sin. Sin really is the problem. It was Adam's sin that brought death into the world. There was no death. There was no problem before somebody sinned. In fact, if you read the creation account, God made something and he said, it is good. If you have your Bible, let's just go look at that. It's good to have a real Bible, you know. You should, you should be having a Bible and reading around. When I quote a verse, you should be reading the verses before it and the verses after it. Make sure I'm keeping them in context. <laughs> Go to Genesis chapter 1. You know, in this day of big tech, somebody will just make a decision one day, and you won't have a Bible on your phone anymore. <laughs> They'll say, cancel that. <laughs> Actually, you know, I think will happen first. This is just what I think. I think before, before they just cancel it, they'll probably start just editing. They'll say, you need to retranslate that so it lines up with these particular views. And if you retranslate it, then we'll leave it on. And if you don't, then we're going to cancel you. You watch, you watch. You know, you have a platform that you don't control. So get you a real Bible. <laughs> get you one. Keep it, memorize it, put it in your heart. Because, you know, they can just switch off your phone, but they have to actually come and get this. So hang on to your Bible. And God said in verse two, let there be light and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Everybody say the light was good. good. All right, let's go down to verse um, 
12. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, the trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Thank you very much. You're doing awesome. Uh, Verse 17. Um, And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And then verse 21. And God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird and according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. good. Thank you very much. And I got one more for you. Okay. Verse 25. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was Good. So everything God made is? God didn't make sickness. Was there cancer in the garden? Was there sin in the garden? Was there perversion in the garden? No, everything God made was good. Exactly. And if you look at verse 31, he says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God did not make the problems that we're seeing in the world today. They came into the world because of sin. And so what is the problem? Sin is the ultimate problem. That's why Jesus came to rescue us from from sin. It says in Romans 5.12 that sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. So is it Adam's sin or is it my sin? Yes. Sin came with Adam and we all sinned. We all became sinners. Sin is the problem. Sin is why Jesus had to come. Isaiah 59 verse 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save or his ear dull that it cannot hear. See, God is not powerless but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Sin was the problem. So before we could experience any of the blessings of God, any of these other great things of salvation, God had to deal with sin. And he did just that. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, say for my sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, for me, so that in him I could become the righteousness of God. Now let me ask you this. Did Jesus commit any sin? He was sinless, right? He was perfect. Did you commit any righteousness? The Bible says that our righteousness, our best efforts are like filthy rags, right? You know the verse as well. This is well-trodden territory. But so how did he make him sin? Whose sin did Jesus carry? He carried our sin, right? So Jesus carried my sin so that I could be made the righteousness of God. Now, let me ask you this. If Jesus carried my sin, you know, this, this transaction at the cross is called the great exchange. Okay? If he took my sin and it made him a sinner or made him to be sin, 
right? So that I could be made the righteousness of God. I didn't commit any righteousness. Whose righteousness have I received? His righteousness. That means, get ready, you have the same standing in the kingdom of God that Jesus has. You have the same standing before the Father that Jesus has because you have been made righteous with his righteousness. How should life change now that you know that? (laughs) That you stand before the Father righteous and holy in the same righteousness that Jesus had. Isn't that powerful? See, the goal of preaching is just to to be a fork in the road, right? (laughs) A fork in the road where you come up there and you just can't stay there. You have to choose, go left or go right. Either I'm righteous with Jesus's righteousness or I'm not, but I'm not gonna just stay here and spin around. We're gonna go forward in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and explore and learn and understand all that this salvation means. Amen? So salvation first had to deal with the sin problem. And Jesus did a good job. Salvation is also to be rescued from the power of the devil. Okay? Hebrews 2, uh, the same chapter I started with, but skip down to verse 14. It says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and to deliver all those who through fear of death were subjected to lifelong slavery. Jesus dealt with the devil on the cross. He took his power away. The devil actually used the power of death that entered the world back with Adam's sins. He used that to control us through the law of sin and death. We were born into slavery and didn't know it. Look at John 8, 8, 31. This is an interesting conversation that Jesus had with some Jews who believed in him. So Jesus said, if you abide in my word, what's he talking about? Hanging on to my teaching, don't let it slip. If you abide in my word, you truly are my disciples. And you will know the truth, verse 32, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and we have never been enslaved by anyone. So how is it that you will say that we, you will become free? The problem is they were slaves and they did not know it, right? They were slaves of sin. They did not know it. They thought because they were born of Abraham and they were God's people and they've never actually been enslaved because they were born in, the, in Israel and they were free, that they were okay. They're like, how, what are you talking about? I'm a slave, I'll tell you, the the ultimate slave master is who? Satan. He's enslaved us through death, through sin, through the fear of death. People don't realize that they're born into slavery. They think, you know, coming to God is about keeping rules or whatever. Going, It's not. It's about being free. So listen to what Jesus says to them in verse 34. Truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus came to rescue us from the power of the devil. He doesn't want the devil to have anything in us, nothing over us. Do you remember when Jesus said this, um, uh, John 14, 30, he says, the ruler of this world is coming and he has no claim on me. 
New King James says, the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. The contemporary English version says, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has no power over me. The Passion Translation adds a phrase. He says, he has no power over me, for he has nothing to use against me. And see, God wants you to be able to say the exact same thing. The devil's coming, and he's got nothing in me. He's got no power over me because he's got nothing in me that he can grab a hold of. Because Jesus has set me free from sin, and there's nothing in me that the devil can have to manipulate, to put me back under bondage, to put me back under fear. Amen? That's good news. Isn't it good to be free? It's sad that some people think they're free, but they're actually slaves to the things that are destroying their lives. We don't want to do that. In 1 John 3, 8, it says that whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. But you see the problem he has? Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, but people are still sinning. What's he going to do? He's got to provide a way of escape to separate them from the sin so that he can pronounce the right judgment on the devil and rescue the people. It's as simple as that. Isn't that good? How shall we escape, it says, if we neglect such a great salvation? And finally, and this is not finally, this is just finally for today. Salvation is to be connected to God. See, we're separated from sin, we're rescued from Satan to be connected to God. There's life on this side of it. It's good. This is why you want to be saved. It goes beyond just being made right with him. It's actually being about what the Father is doing and the work that Jesus is doing right here, right now, in this present world. He's got stuff for us to do right here in this time. It's not all going to be over there in heaven. The works that I do, you will do also, he says. That's for right now. By his stripes, you are healed. That's for right now. These things are for right now for us to do today. Amen? Salvation is to be a carrier of the presence and the power of God in the earth. It's about doing the works of Jesus. Like I said, God's with you. God is with you. Look at John 7, 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his hearts will flow rivers of living water. I quoted that when we began. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now the part, if anyone thirsts, is probably a reference to Isaiah 55 where the reader is invited to come. If you're thirsty, come. Without money, buy and eat. Have water, have food. And then it goes on and it talks about repentance. Let the unrighteous man forsake his ways and the wicked man forsake his thoughts and turn to the Lord and he will abundantly forgive. Okay, it's, that's the reference to it. But the second part, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I want you to see in your mind the picture that, that Ezekiel the prophet paints of the water flowing from the throne of God from the threshold of the temple. And it goes out and it doesn't go very far before it gets deeper and deeper and they're measuring it. And it gets so deep you can swim in it. And then it becomes so wide that you can't even cross it. And everywhere that river goes, it brings life. Everywhere the river goes. 
That's in you. That's the power, the potential of the Holy Spirit in a human being. That's salvation. It's a big word, isn't it? Salvation. The same river appears again in Revelation 22, flowing from the throne of God. And if you remember, there's trees on either side and the leaves of the trees bring healing to the nation. God's doing something. It's, it's in this book. It's not a, he's not made it a mystery. He's bringing the world back to himself. He's judging evil. He's rooting out wickedness. He's going to recreate this world. And he's invited you and me to be a part of the new creation. That's why right now in this present time, in this decaying world, if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. Amen. The way that God intends to accomplish this is through baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you read the Bible, you realize when you read the book of Acts, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not a sideshow. It's the, it's the goal to connect the spirit and man together. John seven thirty nine. Well, let's go back and read 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39. Now this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let's see, Jesus has now been glorified. The spirit has been given. And when you read the book of Acts, you see three, three threads that go through there. First, you see the gospel going from a small Jewish movement to an international movement, okay? You see the, the church being made up of Jews only to being a church made up of people from all nations. And you see people becoming empowered by the Holy Spirit as proof that God is doing this. That's what you, God hasn't changed. What about the unchangeableness of his purpose? He's got stuff for you to do with that river that he's placed inside of you. Well, they finally figured out that the Gentiles be, could, could be saved. If you remember the story, they, they, they didn't think the Gentiles could be saved. And Peter was, they were about ready to jump him because he went to a, a Gentile's house and preached. And he's like, whoa, whoa, I didn't do it. <laughs> I just was telling them about God and the Holy Spirit did it. <laughs> The Holy Spirit came upon them and they started doing the same things that we did in the beginning. And that's how they knew the Gentiles were saved. That's how they figured that out. Isn't that smart? So how can we figure out if we're saved? <laughs> we need to be walking these things in these things. Amen? It's there for us. Let's do it. Let's run. Hey, like I said, it's a fork in the road. You're going to go left, you're going to go right, but you're not going to stay where you're at, right? Let's go on with God. Amen? John 16, 17, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Did he go away? Did he go to the father? Yes, he did. Did he send the Holy Spirit? Yes, he did. He's here for us to receive, guys. Let's do it. Amen. The whole goal of salvation is to make a new kind of human after the pattern of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, doing the same things that Jesus did right now in this present time. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Let's pay more close attention to what we've heard, amen? Don't want to drift from it. Well, praise the Lord.
Awesome. Well, I've totally messed up the order of everything today. I guess we need to go ahead and take up an offering. <laughs> Somebody can go ahead and get that ready. <laughs> should do that before we leave. <clears throat> Isn't God good? I love to hear about what God's doing in your life. Love what God's doing in this church. I love hearing. I love when I love, you know, God's at war with the kingdom of darkness. He's not backed off. He's a warrior. He's been pushing on this whole time. Amen. And you know, every time you push the powers of hell back is an act of war. Getting saved is an act of war. Getting healed is an act of war. Having strong families is an act of war. I mean, that would have been an absurd thought not too long ago, but now, come on, is it not obvious? Just being normal <laughs> is an act of war. Well, let's take it to them, amen? We're not here to huddle and get scared. We're here to get on our face before God, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the word of God, give it our careful attention and do everything that God, Jesus has died to provide for us to do. Amen? Let's do it. Praise the Lord. Well, just want to thank you for the opportunity to share the word with you. Emmanuel, I'm telling you what, God's doing things here. We're, we're excited about what God is doing. We also support a lot of missionaries. We support um, nearly 30 missionaries. Uh, 20% of everything we take in, maybe even more than that lately. I'm probably more than that if we look at it. I don't, I just get, I just know what people tell me. <laughs> it's probably gone up here with all the COVID and everything, probably gone up considerably, uh, goes right back out into missions. And so we're blessed to be a part of that. And uh, just, uh, just want to say a prayer and just bless as, as you give. Father God, we just thank you for this privilege of supporting your work, supporting the kingdom. Lord, we pray that this gift will go into the mission field, Lord, and bring this salvation that I preached about today to the uttermost parts of the earth, Lord, including our nation, Lord. Father God, we need it in our nation. We need your salvation in this place, Lord. Let it flow out of your people, Lord. Let us be a light and a force and a river that, that the devil cannot contend with. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. quick announcements first um if there's we're going to do a, a partial work day next saturday morning at 10 o'clock 10 to probably one or two because uh, we're going to move some of the switch the nurseries around and maybe clean out some other things we're kind of running out of space back there and we want to we could we figured we could reconfigure some things so if there's a couple of guys who could help and a couple of ladies who could help and uh we'll be here at 10 o'clock just if you got my number, just text me or call me and let me know you'll you'll be here. And then also we've got a couple of birthdays this week. 
Everybody say happy birthday to Bruce, our keyboard player. Bruce! Woo! I think Amanda had a birthday this week, didn't she? Wasn't it Amanda's birthday this week? She say, okay, she's way in the back with the kids. You got to yell it really loud. On the count of three, happy birthday, Amanda. One, two, three. Happy birthday, Amanda. Okay, see, I've done a lot of kids ministry, and we would always do that. Let's make it so that the adults can hear us, right? <laughs> Let's make it so the kids can hear us. But anyway, um, stay with us and uh, enjoy some birthday cake and uh, time of fellowship. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> 